and welcome to another episode of The Last Podcast You'd Want. What's up, guys? Steve here, just saying what's up, as always. I hope we're doing well. I hope we're staying sane. I hope we're staying healthy. What have we got going on? What are you doing? What are you watching? Hitting us up on Twitter, at TLPYW. Uh, you can hit us up on Instagram, at the last podcast you'd want. I'm not exactly watching a lot. I, I did some TV. I've been playing a lot, a lot of Fall Guys on the PS4. The wife and I checked out uh, Ratchet, the uh, series that just dropped on Netflix. We watched all of season one, hopefully the only season. Uh, did not particularly care for it. You might like it. might be your cup of tea. Definitely not my cup of tea. Uh, I did watch Remember the Titans, and I watched the 2019 animated feature of The Addams Family. Uh, I really enjoyed uh, Remember the Titans. I'm going to say I enjoyed it more than the animated feature of Addams Family. Uh, with that being said, you can check out the next episode that drops tomorrow of this week at the box office, uh, with me and my buddy Travis, in which we talk about, remember the Titans. So you have to be, if you happen to be checking out, uh, both of the podcasts that I'm participating in right now, uh, there's a little sneak peek for you. Other than that, like I said, I haven't, I haven't been doing much. Uh, I've been working a lot. And I've been playing a lot of Fall Guys. It's a lot of fun. If you haven't uh, been checking it out, go check it out online. Check it out on YouTube uh, if you aren't playing it yourself. If you're playing it, hit me up. Let me know. Uh, other than that, we're going to get into the guest. And then we're going to get into uh, the box office and what's coming out to the theaters this week. Uh, and then we'll get right into the show. Uh, Renly Santiago. You're going to know him uh, from Con Air. You're going to know him from Hackers, the name of the episode, which just celebrated its 25-year anniversary, and it's awesome. came out in 1995. Uh, I'm lucky enough that this is episode 95, uh, so it's a little nice correlation. Dangerous Minds is going to be the other third film. Actually, the first film that he was introduced uh, with uh, everybody. I mean, we talk about all of it. It's a lot of fun. Uh, I really enjoyed this episode. Uh, I like where the show is going. We got new new questions coming. Uh, we kind of come up with a new a new question here uh, that you might start hearing. I mean, I guarantee you probably won't because I just I just recorded this and I have a bunch of other episodes recorded. Uh, folks, we're gonna get into it though. Renly Santiago, uh, you can hit him up on Twitter. You can hit him up on Instagram. Let him know if you enjoyed him on the show. Definitely check out the websites that he has. Uh, folks, we're gonna get on into it. Uh, thank you once again for coming on this continuous journey with me every week. Uh, I, I, it's crazy. We are five weeks away from episode 100. I'm so excited. Uh, such a great guest. Such a great time. It was such a blast. And I have so many more great episodes coming after that. Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to get right into this. Uh, into this. Like I said, we're going to hit the uh, top five in the box office. We're going to hit the movies that are coming out in the, the theaters this week. And then we're going to get right into the interview with uh, Mr. Renly Santiago. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the last podcast you'd want. Thank you once again. I love you all for coming on this continuous journey. Tip the veal. Try the staff. Enjoy the episode. Coming in at number five this week in the box office, we have Infidel with $0.8 million. Making a strong return at number four is Star Wars Episode Five: The Empire Strikes Back with 0.9 million. Unhinged comes in at number three, making an even $1 million. New Mutants still holds number two at 1.2, 2, 
and Tenet is still reigning in the box office at $3.4 million. Let's see if anything new coming out can take down Tenet. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. The new movies coming out to the box office this week are Save Yourself, 2067, and Spontaneous. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and welcome to another episode of The Last Podcast You'd Want. Steve here, and today I bring an actor from movies that I guarantee you've watched, whether you've seen them in the theater, because I know I've seen a lot of them in the theater. But I guarantee you know him. Today I bring Renali Santiago. How are we doing today? Hey, Steven. Thank you for having me. I'm doing great, thank you. And hello, thank everybody. And thank you for coming on. Uh, I, I'll, I'll go a little inside baseball for everyone. Uh, this is the second time we are talking. Uh, we did the interview last week and uh, it didn't record. Deja vu. Deja vu. But I don't, I, I, I thank you so much for coming back on. It's the first time it's ever happened. So I, I think it's crazy. Uh, and and uh, we're going to dive right into it though. Uh, have you ever walked out of a movie in the movie theater? For the second time around, I'm teasing, right? But that wasn't that amazing. I just want a side comment. I know, so technologically crazy. And I swear I didn't hack the system, nor did any of my cohorts or anything like that. Serial, serial had nothing to do with it. Lord Nikon, no, no hands involved. No pranks at all. No. So to what movie did I walk out of? Have I ever walked out of a movie? No, I haven't. Thank goodness I haven't. I mean, I've been bored and then put my hair up. But, you know, it's been a while since that happened. And I'm trying to think if there was anything that I, um, the last maybe, you know, sometimes, you know, again, I know channel surfing isn't included. So, yeah, no, I don't have one yet. I mean, channel surfing can can kind of be included if you, because there are many movies that I, I, when I worked at Blockbuster, you'd get free rentals. I'd take it home. Uh, I found that there was a production company called, I believe it was Asylum, and there was not a single movie that they made that I was able to sit through. Not a single, I couldn't name any of the titles of the movies, but I could tell you the production company, Asylum, I couldn't sit through any of their shit. Blah, blah, you gave them the horn down. I did for everyone, every, there wasn't a single movie. I rented a movie not even knowing it was them. I was really excited, and then it started, and I see the Asylum logo, and I'm like, they fucking gypped me. Oh, my God, they got me. And it was, at, and once again, couldn't sit through it. Wow. Okay, so I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think what made me um, freak out the other. Oh, you know what kind of made me change the channel the other night was, um, now I want to make, make sure it was the, same, the correct scary show. Let's see. Was it? Oh, it was Haunted. Haunted. I've been watching Haunted, and then I realized it was just too dark already. I was like, what is this? All these people getting haunted all the time. Change the channel. So, yeah. So, that one you have to take, like, in doses. Okay. Haunted. And uh, and, and that's a show. Is that a show about 
people in real life being haunted or? Yes. It's oh. people's accounts of um, something horrific that happened to their family. It's a basically like a family meeting and they start to hack out stuff they never talked about at that apartment or that house they lived at. Oh, okay. Okay. So it's for, it's, it's one of those where, where years later, the son looks at the mom and goes, you know, I think our old house was haunted. And the mom goes, oh yeah, I knew for years, but I never said anything. Some of that. Yeah. Some of that going on in there. Okay. Kind of stuff. And they're like, yeah. And you know, and some of it is like pretty bad. You know what I mean? Like it gets sure. really bad. Like their dog got killed or something. They think it was the dog that died by the demon or something like that. You know what I mean? That, that, wow. I can relate to that. Uh, I, I, I know some people don't believe in the supernatural and things like that, but the last house I lived in with my wife and my mother-in-law uh, was definitely haunted. There were definitely spirits there. I encountered shadow people. Like I encountered so the best way I could describe it is I'd sit on the couch and and the TV's on my left eye and on the right eye is going down the hallway to the bedrooms. And at the end of the hallway was illuminated by LED lights down near the ground that my mother-in-law had. And I legitimately would see a shadow lean out the door and look down the hallway and then lean back. Sometimes I'd see it walk between my mother-in-law's room and the den, which was right across from each other. Sometimes he'd walk back and forth. Uh, and then one night... Um, this darkness completely illuminated the entire hallway. It, it, the, the LED lights weren't even seen, and the darkness came all the way to the end of the, the hall to where it would have opened up into the living room, and then it stopped and it went back to where it came from, and the LED lights came back on. And most of my friends tell me, well, you were just really stoned. And I go, I was, but I wasn't that stoned. All right, audience, I have to say, Stephen and I did not plan this but that story is amazing, Stephen, and I want to tell you why on top of what you just said. Because I was literally talking about, just like two days ago, about hallways being a little bit scary there and a little bit portal-like there. Mm -hmm. So the fact that you just talked about this hallway being a part of this thing that was going on I'm going to have to say I would vote with you're saying the truth. And, and, and in reality, the hallway is the only real place I experienced it. Uh, the only other time. Oh, look at that little fooch. Oh, the my only, dog is in the show. Sorry. Hi. No, I don't, I don't mind. A boy or girl. Pocket. pocket? Pocket diva. Her name. Oh, she has she's adorable. Thank you. She the only, yeah. Yeah, no, go ahead. She what? She's more famous than me in the street. She actually gets all the attention. People don't even know it's me. They don't care. And they, um, as you get, she's very cute as uh, for the audience to know. And um, they, and she's full of so much love. Oh my goodness. I really got fortunate with her. Yeah. And she's like crackling with energy and like um, love energy and stuff. So yeah. So that's I love her. it. Thank I love you. it. Uh, and I was going to say, I was going to say uh, the house that I currently live in. Uh, also, also spirits. Uh, I was watching TV uh, probably two, uh, two years ago. I don't know, a year or two ago. I was watching TV at two in the morning and uh, I was getting ready to go to bed and the windows are open. So, so anything from outside, but literally at two in the morning, I hear a little girl giggle. I hear a little hee 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 hee. And I just went, all right, it's time to go to bed. Time to go to bed. 
because ain't no little two, there ain't no little girl walking around at two in the morning, and there ain't no little girls in my house except for my mother-in-law, and my wife, and they ain't little, and they ain't girls. <laughs> wow, that's amazing. yeah. That's so, amazing. but yeah, yeah, yeah. So ha- the name of the show is Haunted. Going back to the main point. Yeah, the na- the show is Haunted, and so I'm watching it and watching it, and then you know it's, it starts to feel like a guilty pleasure. Like, wait a minute, now you're starting to be a little bit obsessed with ghosts and houses that are filled with ghosts. Mm-hmm. And then you're going to start thinking they're in your house. Exactly. So I was like, let me not cause any, you know, because here's the thing too, you know, I came to the conclusion that I think that we are surrounded by life, different forms of life all day long. Yeah. So absolutely. Yeah. So, and that, and that includes good and bad energy too. Yeah, so I think that um, you can probably um, experience other beings anywhere you are, and you have to just, like, kind of have that kind of consciousness. And, and also not be afraid, um, I think, is the key, because they will scare your pants off if you give them the chance. Yeah, absolutely, and they definitely feed off of that energy. Yeah, they will light your butt on fire. Honey, they'll have you jump out a window. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, with that, though, we, we kind of go the opposite spectrum. Uh, and I mean, even not because you say you kind of you kind of binge watch it. But what's a movie that you love uh, that you could just watch every day? Austin Powers. Yes, I love Austin Powers. Uh, all three of them, as silly as silly as they the, the, the deeper you go, the, the more ridiculous it is because they're just using the same jokes over and over. But they're just as funny. They're just as funny. They really are. And I think the one that I saw over and over again was The Spy Who Shagged Me. But all of them are amazing. I could just... Austin Powers is really thoroughly... I mean, what a fun fucking time. Absolutely. I, Mike yeah. Myers is is hilarious. Uh, and and uh, I'd love... I, I, I want to say I said this last time, but I, I, I'd love if they did another one. Um, they're just... They're, they're so good... Uh, with every with everything they do with the silly jokes when it comes to uh, the creation of mini me and then the incarnation of fat bastard um, just Mike Myers just wanting to play every character is always just it's hilarious for me it sure is and that crazy assistant that lady what was her name again Frau Farbisna oh my gosh she's amazing she's really fun to watch I want to she- say I want to say her real name is Mindy Sterling, yeah, I'm, like I'm, uh, Frau Farbisna, yes. <laughs> oh my god, she's really tightly wound up. It's hilarious, and she has those like Scott moments, yeah. right? Where she has that breakdown stuff going on. Yes, yes, I and, love it. I, and every just everything they do. Uh, the the one thing I love, you get a young Will Ferrell. Uh, I want to say in at least the first two. Hey. Will Ferrell, Will Ferrell's um, Mustafa. I'm not dead yet. Oh, I remember. Yes, yes. Oh my goodness, it's just such a fun production. And and I did mention last time it was during a time for the audience to know that celebrities do also get their cable cut off. I did not have cable, and I was watching Austin Powers for like three weeks in a row. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing, there's not, I might have mentioned this last time, uh, but I had a DVD of House on Haunted Hill that would just loop for 30 seconds on the menu and restart it. When I was living in San Diego with my brother, 
we had we each had two TVs. We had a small TV for TV, and then we had the big TV for video games. So we could watch a movie while we were playing video games because that's how innovative we were, or lazy. I'm not quite sure which. Um, but I had I had House on Haunted Hill play for probably a month solid. Just I didn't even turn off the TV or the DVD player. It was just continuously playing. Yeah, that happens. And so I'm glad it was Austin Powers. I had it. I watched it. He was great company. He cheered me up. And I have to remember last time I mentioned I got to see Mike Myers in the street. You did. Yes. And I passed him by. You know, we passed each other. He had his hair white, kind of like in a Beatles haircut. Looks so groovy. And I couldn't help it. So I said, Mike Myers. And I said, I love you. I'm an actor too. And he said, God bless you. And just so, so nice. I've never heard any negative stories ever about Mike Myers. So you just have to think he has to be just one of the most delightful, pleasant people to work with. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's great. Yeah. Um, but when it comes to working, uh, you have had some amazing works. Uh, we started off, uh, you mentioned it right off the bat, technology. Uh, just a couple weeks ago, we celebrated the anniversary. Uh, but 1995, you played Freak, a.k.a. Phantom Freak, a.k.a. King of Nine X. Uh, so many titles. You were in one of my favorite films ever, Hackers, um, which I just, I just recently discovered, blew my mind, recently discovered, tell me if I'm wrong, you filmed that in England? Yes. <laughs> I did not, did not, once again, mind blown um, that most of it was there. And then, then for the shots in the streets, you did, you did New York. Um, but it has to be fun. Uh, do, do you have any memories, any stories that you can share uh, about hackers, about experiencing, just, just anything fun? Absolutely. We had so much fun every single day. Um, there was just full of charisma and enthusiasm for the project and what we were undertaking. And, and um, Angelina was just the sweetest, most delightful kind of, you know, airy girl, quiet, you know, but like really sweet. She was like a living flower, you know what I mean? And um, so sweet. So I was really happy for her when her career took off because I was like, God bless that woman because she was so, so nice. Um, and Johnny also such a great, friendly guy, really big heart, really warm. Um, Matthew was just so energetic and, and funny and excited and, you know, really charismatic and full of positivity and, and um, uh, Lawrence Mason was just so cool. Like we just really bonded and we're like, we went to the clubs at night to like the, Jama to the darkest spots, like Jamaican club and, and whatnot, you know? And like, you know, just like totally hung out. And then, and also um, Jesse Bradford, he was like 16 at the time. So he was just like the cute little brother guy that was like so studious and ready to go. You know what I mean? Sure. And I yeah. And I remember he used to like Green Day and stuff like that, listening to them on the way to work and stuff like that. And did I miss anyone out of the carry, out of the hackers? No. I, I mean, if you want to talk about Eugene, did you interact with Stephen Fishers that much? Or Fisher Stevens? <laughs> yes, I did. Boy. Well, yeah, 
Fisher was great. He was really totally into it, really cool, really laid back. Um, and yeah, we all spend time together. And also, you know, nobody ever asked me. You're forgetting to ask me about somebody else who really deserves a mention. Mark, Mark Anthony or Penn Jillette? Or Lorraine no, Bronco? all get mentioned all the time. Mark Anthony became like my brother. My brother, everybody, would not leave my side. Loved it. And we also went on to star on Broadway together, which was amazing. What did you star in together on Broadway? We started in a musical that everybody should look up. Oh my goodness. And you should look, look it up too, Stephen, and listen to it. Your mind will be blown away. It's called The Cape Man, written by Paul Simon. The musical. Wow. Yes. The, musical. The, cape, the Cape Man. The, the Cape Man. And um, it's also one of my very blessed roles in my lifetime that I got to play. And it's a, a very well um, remembered role that I, that I also played. And, and I sing in it. And so does Mark Anthony, of course. And the music is just out of this world. So we got to do that together, which was wonderful. So that's every, but there's somebody else that you guys don't ask about and you're going to be mad at yourself. You're going to kick yourself. I'm trying to, I'm, I'm racking my brain. Uh, is it, was his name Richard Jennings? The, the cop? Nope. This is such an insult. I, I already said Lorraine Bronco. No, you didn't. You didn't. I, I said, I said, first I said, I said uh, Mark Anthony, and then I said, or is it Pin Gillette or Lorraine Bronco? Wait a minute, wait a minute. Then I'm not hearing you right because I could have sworn we're going to have to rewind this. Stop the interview. Let's go. Gladys, back. Gladys, can you check? Gladys, Gladys, Gladys said I said Lorraine Bronco. Well, you got an assistant listening. No, no, no. no. Gladys, Gladys is an imaginary person that I refer to that keeps my dictations. Good acting. I loved it. Alexa, can we check? Did he say Lorraine Bronco? <laughs> well, either way, either way, Lorraine, Lorraine Bronco, of course, he went on to do Sopranos and many other great things. How was Lorraine Bronco with it? Thank you. Because she's probably like, what am I, chopped liver? Everybody talks about everybody else. And I'll say, if you did mention Lorraine, which I'll say, I didn't hear you say it, but if you did, then you're the very first interview in 25 years, ladies and gentlemen, that somebody mentions Lorraine Bracco, like she's chopped liver, and she wasn't. She was already a top Hollywood movie star, how dare they type of thing when she was in Hackers. She could already be like, how dare you when she was there. She was huge. She's Lorraine Bracco, and she already was in Hackers. She was actually the biggest star in that movie. Because, sure. Yeah, like in the beginning, you know, for that movie. Because, um, you know, at that time when we were all, like, starting out, because Fisher Stevens was huge, but Lorraine Bracco was, like, a leading, you know, Fisher had done, like, two lead roles, and he's an amazing character. Everybody loves him, and he's brilliant. But, you know, Lorraine, yeah, Lorraine was, like, popping. Like, Lorraine Bracco was hot was, you know, a lady that, you know, was a Hollywood, you know, starlet, name and lights. There you go. And But when she was a delight on set. She was... She was a D... Like, I think, you know, it was so funny. The timing of it was hilarious because I got... <laughs> I remember now. She came on the set in England like a day or two or three before I finished filming all my stuff in England, right? So she arrives and we're at lunch, like we're eating and stuff like that. And so I see her for the first time there and I'm like, okay, that's Lorraine Bracco. Great, whatever, doing my thing. And then 
when we went to film that night where, oh, because you know, the very last, here's a little trivia for everyone. The very last shot that I made in the movie was the shot where I'm at, my very last line in the movie is, it's in that place where I put that thing that time. <laughs> and cut! Yes! That was that was the last shot. That was the last line you filmed. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, give Renly Santiago a hand. And so everybody was clapping on the set. So they're bringing Lorraine Bracco on and shit. And she's like, "Who's this?" And they're like, and the director was like, "Give Renly Santiago a hand. He was amazing." And then they brought out a champ. Oh my god, it was so sweet. This is really sweet. I do have to mention. I'm glad we're mentioning. They actually brought out champagne and everything. Wow. Over my last shot. That's 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 awesome. That's that's a lasting impression that, that you made for that director. So Lorraine Brockle's jaw was like open like this. <laughs> she was like, who is this little Puerto Rican guy I've never seen in my life? Who is he? I love it. But she was so positive. But I remember she literally, because I don't even know if they've done that for her. She was like, whoa, who the heck are they celebrating like this? What do you do? Somersaults on screen or something? Whoa. Whoa. It was it was just the delivery of that line. It was in that play. What what was the line again? What was the line again? It's in that place where I put that thing that time. Blink. And then remember, I have to hang up the phone. And yes. look innocent to the security guard. Which that I added in. That's awesome. That's and, awesome. And then they yelled cut. And then they were like, and I remember he also said I might as well for 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 um for uh, uh, what is it called, a pa pa a posterity or commemorative? What would you say that for? For, for to save it for prosperity. For prosperity, I remember he also said our first, the first hacker, our first hacker, Santiago. So you were um, you were officially the the first. Well, I mean, in reality, with with the exception, um, your first the introduction of your character is you is you essentially hacking the phone. Yeah, because you do you do the recording and the the recording goes thank you very much and you go no 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 thank you. Yes, and I bring the hackers together. I bring Johnny in. I'm like, listen, you hack or what? I know you play the game. Don't try it. That's right. And you said what's your what's your interest with uh, with Angelina? Uh, Libby, academic, purely sexual, homicidal. Okay. Did I say homicidal? No, right? I think no, I just... no. Johnny Lee Miller says to you, homicidal. Wow, you're like on it. I gotta keep up with you, Steven. <laughs> I love, I love that movie. I was obsessed with hackers when it. That's, I mean, that's why I bring it up for the first movie. Uh, I was obsessed with hackers. My friends and I, uh, we quoted it all the time. I mean, truth be told, we were even. Like when at one point, uh, you know, I was I was uh, 95, so I'm in junior high, almost high school. Uh, we were talking about like we're we're like, dude, we should like try and write a sequel. We were we were just these these preteen teenage kids being like, we could come up with the sequel to the movie and it'll be amazing. And it was just we just came up with the amazing title of Hackers Two. I love it though. That's a good title. <laughs> I like but, it. But no, I love I love. I love hackers. Like it's it's an amazing film, and it it's definitely it's it's a lot of people don't like the term, but it's definitely lasted the test of time. It just celebrated twenty 
25 years. Yup. So, and people are still, I told you this last time, but I had friend, I had a friend that changed his profile to, uh, you know, Eugene. I know once again, uh, I forget the plague. That's what he wanted to be called the plague. And, and I just, just replied, okay, Eugene. Um, no, it's, it's a film that I love and it's lasted the test uh, of time. Um, but with that, we'll get to the next question. Uh, and that's a movie that you can watch that, that brings you back to your childhood, to a more uh, youthful time for, your, for yourself. E.T. E.T., extra, extra, Extraterrestrial and His Adventures on Earth. I believe that's the full title. Yes. Yes. E.T. was just amazing. I mean, I remember when I was seven years old, it was my mom took me to that movie. We went... We, we stood on line, and it was the longest line, you know? All, all the way around. Back back when people actually did the full line business, when you had to buy a ticket and get early to get the seat you wanted. Lines around the block type of thing, experience. It was amazing. And I never went through that again. And I remember wearing a coat. I, it was either, you know, late fall or winter time or something, and... um I'll share a little tidbit that I forgot last time, which is very emotional. I remember crying into my scarf because I thought it was so touching. Okay. That's, it's, a very, it's a very touching film. Like, the older I get, I watch films that I watched that I love as a child, and I find myself getting very teary-eyed at the very emotional moments that I would have never even thought about as a kid. E.T. Is, is a very, it can be a very scary film. It can be a very touching and an endearing film. I think that that moment was where I kind of like realized that film, I don't know. I didn't even know what was going on. You know what I mean? For me to just end up, you know, later on, you know, wanting to be part of that. I don't know. Maybe that, well, not maybe. I'm sure it had a huge impact on me wanting to be an artist and an actor and, yeah, it's so that one definitely takes me back. It will always take me back. So, so this is interesting because I didn't ask you this last time. Is this your first memory of going to the movies, or do you remember the first movie that you remember going to the theater? I remember going to the movies and before that a little bit. I do, but okay. you know what? I don't know. It might have been the very first movie I ever saw because I do remember in my childhood going to the movies. Um, I want to say, though, I might have seen Jaws. I did see Gloria, and I did mention Gloria. I don't know if that was before E.T., yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure on that one. Um, I, I just. I thought. I thought of that one. I think that's going to be a new question. Of yeah. remember the first movie you saw because I. I was. Uh, I was. I, I do research for the other podcast I do of movies that were number one in the box office. So I, I took the time and effort to literally go week by week, January through December, 1982 to 2019. And, and I've written down every movie that was number one in the box office because we have to know for what we're going to discuss. And the first movie that I remember that was number one in the box office was 1989. It was Ghostbusters 2. I specifically remember my mother taking me out of school to go see it in the afternoon. All right. First of all, your mom rocks. Tell her I say hello and send her a big kiss and a hug because she rocks. Secondly, I went and saw that in the theater, too. It rocked. 
Oh, it's, it's, I love it. it. A lot of people undermine it because it's a lot of, of kind of rehash from the first one. Cause in the first one you have the, the giant stave puff marshmallow man walking through New York. And in the second one, they kind of just recycle it with the statue of Liberty. Oh, uh, okay. So wait a minute. You said go, I'm sorry. I didn't hear right. You said ghostbusters two. Okay. Two. Rocking 89. On, 89. <laughs> rocking on anyway. I still give it massive credit. That's even doper. She didn't want you to miss the latest trend. She was like, yeah. my son is going to go see Ghostbusters 2. That's right. And I remember her taking me out of school early. That was one of the funnest things she did. That is too damn sweet. How old were you? Uh, 89. I would have been like seven. You better not complain about anything in your life. I really, I really, I really try not to. No, the relationship, the relationship that my parents and I had with the movies are amazing. I did the math the other day and I won't give you the exact number, but that's, that's every movie that was number one in the box office that I went to see. It's like 465 movies. Whoa. That I've okay. seen that I've seen in the movie that were number. That's just movies that I've seen in the theater that were number one in the box office. That's not including like I've seen a ton of movies that weren't number one in the box office as well. Um, <clears throat> for instance, I've seen Wayne's World that was number one in the box office. And the same day I did a double feature with my uncle and we went and saw Rodney Dangerfield's Ladybugs. OK, which, so wait a second, not to fucking blow my spot up or anything like that. So you're saying you've seen all these movies and you love hackers. Yeah, I, I love so movies. I have a podcast that's purely talking about movies. Yeah, 100%. No, my mom from the time I was nine to about 16 years old worked in uh, two different video stores, which really got it going for me. I could rent any movie I wanted for essentially as long as I wanted. I could watch it as many times as I wanted. Uh, and then when I was, I don't know, it was, it was 20 years old, I got a job at the local movie theater that I basically grew up in. And I've worked at a couple movie theaters since then. I just love movies in general. Like... Now, question for you then. A little, let's change our our little uh, our little roles here for a moment. Sure. So, would you say that movies change you inside? And if and if so, then how many changes have you gone through? Uh, I'd say that movies can can definitely change a person. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know if I can say how many changes I've gone through. Uh, I can say that that movies definitely exert emotions and can bring back really great times. They can bring back really bad times, um, but they can definitely make you and uh, feel feel and change inside. A, a movie that I watched that I, I really say was a life changing film for me was um, Darjeeling Limited. By Darjeeling Limited, uh, by I want to say it's Wes Anderson. Uh, it's Luke Wilson, Owen Wilson, Jason Schwartzman. <clears throat> it's about a journey. It's about three brothers and their journey to, I believe, India. And it's them dealing with their father's death. I believe that's what it is. It's been years. It's been years, 10 years since I've watched it. But I watched it once and I, I finished watching it and I, I just felt different inside. I, I definitely felt like a new view of the world had been given. And that can be exerted from so many things. That's, that's what art is. That's what life is, 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 is exerting emotion. But movies in their own right, um, 
you know, can, can bring about the best of times or the worst of times. They, they can help you um, remember the great times that you once had, or they can help you escape from the horrible world that you might be living in right now. Um, movies are, are, it, it's, yeah, yeah, no, no, go ahead. And also, do you ever notice that they also like change the way you look at the world, sort of how you feel about it when you watch certain movies? Oh, absolutely. You can, you can watch, you can watch a film like Mississippi Burning, which was made all those years ago, and yet it still holds a, a, a message that's just as relevant today that can change and alter the views of someone um, in a ne- that, that might be in a negative frame of mind and bring it to a positive frame of mind. Another movie, American History X. American History X is a movie that you can look at, and once you're done watching that, you look at a, at, at a class, you look at, at, a, at a way of life, at the society, in a completely different perspective. There are films that, that definitely you can watch and it, it, will, it will change the way you think about the world. And, and that's just as much as it is for drama and serious films as it can be for, for comedy. You can have someone that can lead too much of a serious life that takes things too seriously, and you can introduce them to something like Police Academy or The Naked Gun. And it can, it can change their life in that way of making them open themselves up a little bit more, you know? Absolutely. Yes, yes, yes. I just had to, you know, we, uh, sh- you know, exchange about that a bit because it's something that even me being an actor for so many years, I um, still tend to realize these things. And God knows that I love this with all my life, but it's just really something. And I think that we can't undervalue that too. You know, in society, there's so many things people are trying to sort of cancel out like it's just whatever and it's even like these things they're so important absolutely absolutely do you do you got now kind of switching it back what are what are your thoughts on on movies and emotions and uh, has there been a movie that you've watched that that has has opened your eyes or, or made a change in your life that you can think of yeah um well i've been watching um a lot of, and I think I might have brought them up last time. I'm pretty sure I did Pedro Amadovar movies mm-hmm. lately. Yeah, and I did kind of like a study on him. Um, I think I pretty much watched everything he did and kind of now re-watching a lot of it. And um, it's just um, interesting for him. That's basically even why I might have even asked that question because he has such, I, I like diving into certain directors and then watching everything by them. And I haven't done that in a while. I did that like many years ago. And I, now with this lockdown that we're all in, I've been able to kind of just zero in on one person and, and see all their work. And he has been, um, the way he looks at the world is just so wild and outrageous and, and, and realistic and also out there and exaggerated, but it kind of again, true to what life um is at times and also the playfulness and and the tragedy in there has affected even how i look at life like i feel like i'm in in looking at the world through his eyes even when i'm not watching movies as much and so i find that to be a very beautiful impact and everything um 
I guess one of the films of his that I saw that um, left me really impacted is one that was called Matador. I think it's called the the the, the bull killer or whatever the in Matador, and um, the ending is just I mean my goodness I mean his all his films but it's just the twisting of 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 fate and things that happen to the characters and people that are even bad are um, really humanized and it's just. It's really how raw life can be, and and sort of and how he sort of in in dives into characters that have had very traumatic lives and very traumatic um, experiences like incest or or heroin addiction, um, or living in the uh, sort of uh, um, under the, the the radar almost of the world of the underworld underworld more like. Um, it really shows you shit about life, you know what I mean? And it, and then and the colors that he has in his cinematography and things like that. So it's given me sort of like a closer bond with um, the comedy and tragedy or the irony of things. And that's been like a beautiful thing with, with what's been going on with um, looking at his movies. That's awesome. And that's that's... And that's a beautiful, a beautiful thing when you're able to watch something and, and be able to, to look at, at such tragedy, but be able to do it in such an artistic way that you're able to walk away and, and just be able, you know, be able to take a step back and really look at it for what it is and, and, and see it for the true art of, of what they are giving. Yeah. And, and also it's given me a, I've become a bigger fan of Antonio Banderas. Because he starred in, and he still stars in a lot of um, Pedro Amadovar's movies. And my goodness, his performances in these films are just spectacular and so brave. And, and you know, he just mixes sexuality like nothing. You know, he makes love to men. He kisses men in these movies. I mean, he's done so many films with this guy since his early 20s and just done outrageous things on screen that are just really lively and bold. So I love it. That's awesome. Um, going back to what you were talking about earlier, you, you've been on, on Broadway. You're a stage performer. Uh, you're a singer, an actor. Uh, it's the proverbial question of the chicken and the egg. Which came first? Were you a singer or an actor? I would say that I was probably, okay, I was always an actor in the sense that it was a secret I held inside when I was little, uh, like, and I'm talking like six and seven years old and stuff in my mind, in the back of my head, I would always think that I could, I had a very big story inside of me that I, I felt secretly like that I, if given the chance to be able to tell a story or play a role, like I would watch in these movies with Elvis and Bruce Lee and um, the Kung Fu show with like David Carradine. Those were the kinds of things, you know, and Carol Burnett. Um, so it was a mix of all these really wild things that I felt that I had inside at a very early age. Jerry Lewis was another one that I think lives inside of me because um, I felt so connected and just zeroing in on that as a little boy. 
And um, so um, that was, I don't know what was the direct part of your part of your question, the first part of it. I kind of went into like what affected me as an actor. Uh, did oh, you start? What, what did you first? start acting or singing? Right. So that came first. The singing was a musical thing I had, so I did that first publicly. And but then, acting, acting was always there in the back of your head. Yes, that's awesome. That's awesome. And uh, how many? How many uh, did you did you do stage productions first, or was that something that you worked your way into after you you started doing movies? First was the stage productions and just live performing and theater. And um, then always wanting, like many actors, to someday be in a movie or television. But honestly, I, you know, it was like, I w it was a needle in a haystack, you know, reality. And so when it came, it was a shock. Of course. And with, with that, you get your first, uh, your first major starring role. Uh, right before Hackers, also 1995, uh, you play Raul Sanchero in uh, Dangerous Minds. That must that must have been uh, a fun experience, uh, being around kids essentially your age, uh, working in an environment as high school students. How how old were you when when you did that film, playing a high school student? Because you know they always try and do the. A little bit older than high school, playing high school. So, were you still a teenager? Were you right above that age? Do I you was, remember? Yeah, I was nineteen, and then I turned twenty during the shoot. So, um, I was. Uh, I want to say I would. I wish I could remember when we started filming. Maybe we started filming in like February or something like that. And then, like, my birthday was in March. Because we were already really close and they threw me a birthday party and everything and I got this Mexican restaurant and we had a really great time. So yeah, sit 19 to 20. Okay, that's, that's, that's great. I, was that the general age, 19 to 20, uh, with the kids that were there on set? I mean, obviously, besides Michelle Pfeiffer. Yeah, yeah. And, and some of them were like in their late teens. You know, I felt like I was one of like the almost older, but not really, you know, still young. But like there were some that were... 17, 18. Um, the youngest one was Maricela, who was 16. Okay. That was the one that was Emilio's girlfriend. Okay. And and with that, uh, you you did much like hackers, it's a very it's a very family-esque uh type environment. Uh are there actors that you still talk to from either film today? Absolutely. Excellent. That's awesome. Yeah. Um I have to, I, I, uh, with that, I mean, I, I, you've already talked about him, uh, and I unfortunately forget his name, the, the director for Antonio Banderas. Pedro Almodovar. So would you say that he would be your favorite director when it comes to movies? Spielberg. Spielberg and Pedro. Okay, and Spielberg, Spielberg's great. Would you say that E.T. is your favorite Spielberg film? No, that would be The Color Purple. That's an oh, I don't I don't think we talked about that one last time. The color purple, is such an uh, what once again a film that exerts such emotion and is still and is still relevant with the message that it that it, it portrayed then as it is today. I don't know her either. 
and also what's another big one that they always say oh my god there's so many lines. oh it's been it's been I, i'm not gonna lie it's been forever since i've i've, I've seen well, there's you told Harper to beat me, but there's a couple of other ones that people say all the time. Well, hell no, that was a line that Oprah Winfrey says. Sophia Home Now was a line that people love to say that Oprah Winfrey says. There's a couple of lines in that movie that are, um, you know, quotable that people love to quote. Sure, sure. Especially in the African community and my African American friends, we all know I can say any color purple line, and they, like, if I say, I don't know her either. They're going to know it's color purple. Purple, of course. And that's the scene when the mayor's wife, remember her? That she was excellent. Oh, my goodness. That actress, I forget who she is. But she has Oprah Winfrey's driving her around. Because she got arrested. Oprah Winfrey got arrested for saying, hell no, I don't want to be your maid. When the lady says, your children are so clean. Want to come and be my maid? And then Oprah says, hell no. Then everybody gets all shocked. And then Oprah gets knocked in the head with a gun. Knocked out on the ground goes to jail, comes out, and then her punishment, she's got to be the mayor's driver, his wife. Then she lets her go home for Christmas. She has a titty fit outside because she doesn't know how to get the car out. So she starts driving around. She does this amazing scene where she's running away from the black guy. She's like, get away from me. No, you're not going to so good to your people. No. And then she's like hanging onto the tree. Such an amazing. Yeah. And then Oprah comes out and she's like, well, maybe my uncle, my uncle says, she's like, I can't be seen with no strange black man. And she's <laughs> like, well, what about my aunt? So-and-so. And she's like, I don't know her either. <laughs> so every time when they ever put me in an awkward situation, I'm like, I don't know her either. And it gets a great, it gets a great laugh. Now, when it comes to uh, Pedro, what would you say? Uh, if you if you were to recommend a movie with me not knowing any of his work, what would be the movie that you would recommend to introduce me to him? To Pedro Almodovar? Yes. Okay. This is going to be fucking tricky because he's got such a raunchy time in his career. And then he's got the even the crazy ones that are good in them, but the, all of them are great. Um... I would say you can start with, well, let me think. We want a male film that is, I mean, I have to have the titles memorized better because I really would want to get the best one. But I would say the Antonio Banderas one, Matador, or no, wait, but what's it? Is it called Laws of, I want to see, can I look it up real quick while you're on the phone? Yeah. 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 Hold on one second. Yeah, because this is too good. Because he's too damn good, guys. So, I want to say... Angel. Let me see if it's this one. If not, it's Almodovar. Now, what I love about him is just every aspect. His opening sequences. Okay. Laws of Desire. Law of Desire. Law of Desire. Law of Desire. Excellent. I'm writing that down right now. Folks at home, piece of paper, pen, pencil, whatever you got. Law of Desire. Write it down. Okay. And this is basically what happens here. What's happening here is that when porn director Pablo Asubio Poncella reluctantly breaks up with his boyfriend, Juan Miguel Molina, he encourages him to stay in touch. 
Juan moves away to live in a lighthouse and eventually writes his ex. But in the interim, Pablo was taken up with a psychotic new lover, Antonio Banderas. Mm. Yeah, and then Antonio intercepts their correspondence and flies into a towering rage, terrifying Pablo, but also inspiring him creatively as he works on a play about his transsexual sister, Carmen Maura. Okay, so this okay. is from, yeah, this is from 1987. Whoa, all right, 87. Yes, and I tell you that it twists, it turns. I mean, my goodness. And then it's so epic in its, in its you know, simplicity and, and grittiness that, I mean, it's just too much to bear here. You know, and then Antonio Banderas is a tour de force. Excellent. Love, desire. I wrote it. I wrote it down. Uh, I'm going to see where it's streaming. I'm going to I'm going to definitely check it out. Please let me know what you think. Um, When it comes to movies, you have a lot of great genres. Uh, What's a genre that, that you love to lean towards over others? Okay. So this time, last time, remember, I really was stuck between comedy and drama. Oh, my goodness. Ouch. Because it's so difficult because sometimes I really long for the depth of a dramatic piece that leaves me, you know, feeling pensive and reflective. And then there's that need to be crazy and kooky and wild. So, but, you know, maybe what I do like a lot is probably that Pedro Amadovar dramedy kind of thing where it's comedy and drama. Sure, sure. Yes, yes, because that's what life is like. And, you know, I find as, you know, speaking on as an actor, I always, and this is just something that naturally happens to me when I perform, I am always going for both. Whether I'm in a dramatic film or a comedy film, there's a little bit of depth in there that I try to, like, somehow. I mean, so, for instance, Hackers, um, that's a straight-up comedy character. But um, if I don't have room for, for, for something that makes you um, feel a certain way, there's still that thing of his toughness, even though he's very genius and all that, like that line that I threw in there that was like, where are your brains? In your ass? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So making you kind of think like I'm, there's always a little bit of a slap on the head in there that that sneaks up out of me somewhere in there that I, uh, you know, so, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and, and those are great ones. One, a, a good a comedy drama that always comes to my mind because it's definitely more than a drama than it is a comedy, but it does have a good comedic element to it uh, is The Family Stone. And that came out in about 2004, 2005. Uh, and that's Diane Keaton. And her kids are played by, I think, Luke Wilson, Rachel McAdams. Uh, and it's they come home for, for one last holiday. The mom has cancer. Um, and it, it related, it, 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 struck home, it struck home a lot for me. Um, because going back to earlier, as much as, as much as I would love to pass along the compliments to my mother, uh, my mother passed away in 2003 from cancer, uh, after a five, five year long fight. She fought for five years. Uh, so 
seeing a movie like that, The Family Stone, yet another movie where it derives an emotion from you. Um, and it, it hit close for me because she, you know, I wanted, you know, she has cancer in the film and it's her fighting it and it's the family getting together. And it's a great, it's a great one where it's, it's a, a drama that has definite comedic elements to it. I may be wrong, but I want to say Craig T. Nelson plays the husband, plays Diane Keaton's husband. And he's a great, a great comedic yet at the same time, dramatic actor. Um, and then you get great, you know, Luke Wilson, Rachel McAdams, super funny people, been in a lot of great comedies. And it's a good drama uh, with, with bits of comedy added on into it. So, Yeah, I like both. And my condolences about your mom. God bless her always. Yeah, thank you. No, I, pre I appreciate it. It's, um, yeah, it'll be, it was 2003, so we're coming on 18 years next year. So, but it's... Uh, you, you know, we continue on the best we can. And like I said, my parents uh, were great with movies. When I was a kid, uh, we'd go to the movies at least once a week, if not, you know, every other. Uh, and uh, yeah, movies movies have definitely been a way for me to, to you know, express, express my life and the way I feel about things. Um, one of the questions I ask, I already asked it, but it, it comes back to it. It's movies you can watch every day. Uh, this essentially derived originally from movies that I felt that if you were flipping the channel, regardless of where it was at in the movie, you know you're watching it. A movie for me on that, I can guarantee, and I'm not, I'm not saying this just to blow smoke, uh, but if I'm flipping the channels and Con Air is on, I don't care where it's at. It could be the first five minutes. It could be halfway through. It could be the last 15. I am watching Con Air. I love that movie. I saw it in the theater. I saw I saw Hackers in the theater as well. Uh, but uh, I saw Con Air in the theater, and, and I loved it. I thought it was amazing. 1997, uh, so I would have already been in high school. So, you know, lots of violence, lots of action, lots of great jokes. Uh, what, what was Con Air like for you as uh, Sally Can't Dance? Well, I want to first of all blow you kisses from the screen. Thank you so much. Con Air was a fucking blast. Okay? Like that plane. Okay? It was amazing. Every day was crazy and funny. The guys were always joking. Um, it was great. I mean, and they were childish. I remember thinking of anything, oh my goodness, why do I feel like the most mature one here? And I was the youngest one. Hello? something was wrong there. I mean, they just love to play, 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 play. Talk about like boy stuff. I mean, when you get all the boys together, I guess that's what you get. I mean, so that was the funny part. I felt like they were younger than me. Um, just playing around, drinking lots of beer. I mean, it was like a party. Imagine like the guys were like, get the beers. So we just did a lot of like hanging out, easy going. Um, we were in the desert, so we were, like, for the most part, in Wendover, Nevada for most of the shoots. So we were, like, in this, like, really empty town. They had also filmed um, Men in Black there. No, oh, no, Independence Day, Independence Day. Okay. So yeah. that desert thing there was the same location. So it was just very, like, open. So there was two hotels that were, like, the top hotels that... And that's it, basically, nothing else anyway. There were no other options. So we we were in one hotel, and there was another one down the, like, road. So you would walk down the road to go, like, to that restaurant if you wanted to go there. 
one thing I didn't mention about the casino and hotel we were staying in, it was like so psychedelic. I wish I would have taken pictures of that shit. I mean, it was like out of this world, out in the desert with all these weird like orange and neon green carpet and stuff in the um, casino room. Okay. Like, you, you got you got to wonder if it's still there today. It would be so cool, and it probably still would be the same. I kid you not. I'd be surprised. And then the smell of tobacco in that casino. I mean, my goodness. But that was it. So most of the days were good and but pretty almost non-eventful, except like, yeah, we're making this big action movie. whoop de doo Of but course. Like, yeah. Uh, I was going to say the last time we talked, there was one actor I realized that we didn't talk about. And I realize now that it might have been because you actually don't have any scenes with him because he dies before you even get on the plane. But did you deal with Mr. Dave Chappelle at all? Oh, my gosh, it's crazy. You mentioned him, that motherfucker, that asshole. He was so, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, he was so nice. Big hug to Dave Chappelle. If you're listening, Dave, I love you. Yeah, and if you're listening, Mr. Chappelle, please come be a guest on my show. Okay. <laughs> come on. Steve is great. The water's fine. He was fabulous. He was wonderful. So sweet. I remember when he asked me my name and I said, Brennan's name. He said, that sounds like a famous name. How cute, there, right? There you go. There you go. Um, I Was he on set for the same amount of time as you? Because he, he died. He literally dies within, I think, the first 20, 30 minutes of the movie. I know. He was there the very first day when we all met each other and all of that good stuff. Um, I mean, he was there, though, significantly enough where even if he wouldn't have become, like, the famous Dave Chappelle, I would have remembered and loved him as a cast member. Like, he was there for a good chunk in the beginning. You know what I mean? Okay. And we went to the bar. I remember one time we were all at a bar, and he said, this is, like, the, the scene. He said, this is, like, the, the bar scene in Star Wars. That's hilarious. Of uh, of of all the uh, of all of the 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 gentlemen that you were dealing with on the set, huh. of all the of all the men you were dealing with on the set, who who was the biggest teddy bear and who was the most intimidating? Nightmare. No teddy bear. Oh teddy bear. Okay. Was who was the biggest wow. teddy? Who was the biggest teddy bear and who was the most intimidating? Okay, because I was going to say, he's really digging for that inquiry question. Oh, my gosh. Asking me who's the biggest nightmare. Trying to get me to dish dirt. Um, now I'm teasing. Um, well, let's think. Biggest teddy bear. Um, they were all so nice. My goodness. Um, 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 you can... You can... No, go go ahead, go ahead. I'm just saying, you're lucky you're asking me 20 years later, 25 years later, because I would have gotten hate mail over this um, from the guys, because they all loved me so much. They would have been like, what? I thought I was, not I nice to you? Didn't I protect you in the desert, you piece of shit? Next time I'll let the rattlesnakes get you. Um, let's see, who was the teddy bear? Um, 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 oh my goodness. Time is ticking. This is Jeopardy. Let's see. Um, and it's okay. I mean, it's okay. I, I kind of put you on the spot, so it's okay if you can't really, ah, you know, put were, a name well, to it. 
Because yeah, if they um, were if they were all nice and they were all sweet, you know. Well, you know who was really sweet was because well, at least with his compliments was, um, and yeah, I didn't spend as much time with him, but it was so sweet. I thought to, for him to say that was John Cusack. Excellent. And what did you, what did what was what was the nice thing or the sweet thing that John did for you? Because he always used to say to me, "Hey, boss." Hi, boss. How are you, boss? And I would think that is so sweet of him. He knows he's John Cusack, and he, he doesn't even know me really well. What the fuck? He's calling me boss here. That is too sweet. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, John Cusack always always seems like a very uh, interesting individual. I follow him on uh, I follow him on Twitter, and he he's he's very he's very political right now, which I very 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 much like and appreciate. Uh, but he just seems like a very uh, there's a photo I love that it's a photo of Hunter S. Thompson, Johnny Depp, and John Cusack with a blow up doll in a convertible, I'm pretty sure on the Vegas strip. You know, I fucking miss John Cusack, and if I saw him in the streets, I would say, Give me your fucking number and I'm giving you my fucking number and we're gonna go have dinner. If we don't, you're a loser. Because <laughs> I really liked him and I wish I would have been more forth you know like listen let's do lunch absolutely and i know you mentioned it last time but for the listeners where where did the name sally can't dance come from for uh for your character in con air i was no i'm kidding i was gonna say i was gonna say a very bad joke <laughs> no 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 sally nothing happens to sally sally is Sally Can't Dance comes from a, a Lou Reed song called Sally Can't Dance, everyone. There you go. It's a, a Lou Reed song. Um, and Lou Reed was into transvestites. I'm going to gossip about it. Gossip. Gossip all you like. No, I'm kidding. No, no, I would never do that. It's all, everybody knows that. It's in his books and stuff like that about his life and whatnot. But I think that was the little interplay maybe that the writer knew about Lou Reed having a thing for the, for the you know, for, for transgenders or something. And he kind of thought, oh, cool, Sally can dance. Who knows? I don't know. I just kind of figured out this when I was looking up Sally can't dance, you know. Um, but Sally can't dance also, I think, comes from the attitude of they all had like these different like, like um, nicknames and whatnot. And I think that Sally was probably taunted, you know, and beaten up and, and made, it's like a punk name. You know what oh, I mean? Sure, sure. Yeah, like a prison punk name. Yeah. 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 Because, I mean, you did, they all, they all had essential nicknames. You had Cyrus the Virus. You had Diamond Dog. You had Johnny 32. You had uh, 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 Pinball. Silas Green. I don't know if Silas Green had a nickname. I'm sure they said it. That was Steve Buscemi's character. Yeah, I'm a little bit of I'm a little bit of a fan of Con Air. My uh, my my brothers and I uh, will every now and then just text each other uh, like like you know put the bunny back in the box. Um, I actually went. Here's a fun one for you. I went to Comic Con to see uh, a panel for Spider Man Three, but right before the panel for Spider Man Three was a panel for Ghost Rider with Nick Cage, and Nick Cage was there, and as there was a dull silence among the audience, I legitimately could not help myself to pop my friends. And I yelled out, put the bunny back in the box. Pops, pops all around. Everyone just started chuckling, chuckling, chuckling. 
I don't think Nicolas Cage, I don't know if he heard it, let alone found it that amusing. Uh, but that's how much I love Con Air, is I quoted it to Nick Cage at Comic-Con. I yelled it at him. I love it, love it, love it. Well, you just reminded me. First of all, you didn't let me, you didn't prod me to answer who was the most intimidating. Oh, who was the most intimidating? The most intimidating, which no, he wasn't. But the one that I would say like, wow, give your hats off, everybody, ladies and gentlemen, was John Malkovich, you know, because I mean, he is just John Malkovich, you know, um, but um, he wasn't intimidating, though. He was nice. He was he was nice, but he wasn't trying to be too nice. But he really was nice. No, I take that back because I remember we used to sit for hours and hours underneath a tent and tell stories for hours and hours and hours. And John Malkovich would tell us every story. I wish I had a secret recorder. Hours. Hours. Okay, so imagine, I'm like, wait a minute, I should have had a recorder. Because we would talk for hours and hours and hours under that neat, uh, that super hot, 115 degree weather in a tent, all sitting on director's chairs, John doing most of the talking, telling us all his life. So, so here's a quick question. You had two Johns on the set that were in seat. You had John Cusack, John Malkovich. Did, how did they, did, did they, was it just Mr. Cusack, Mr. Malkovich or, or were they kind cause I kind of see, I can see either of them being like, Hey, Mr. Mr. Cusack was my father. I'm John. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. No, luckily John Cusack was the least one on the set because when we were doing all our bad guy scenes and running around scenes and being bad, that was not a day when John Cusack as the cop was around. Gotcha, gotcha. So he was around, he was around a lot, but not like a, not every single moment and every single day waiting around with us. But like we would sit, again, long days for months and months just shooting the shit, shooting the breeze. There you go. And that's that's got to be some great, some great fun memories for you to, to look back on. It was an honor. I think that I, I, I definitely, well, I'll be honest, during those moments, I did the least talking. I was like that hermit. I've always been... I'm very, you know, you see me now, guys. I'm very laughing, talking, having a great time. But I'm not on set. I'm on set. I'm like Bruce Lee. Don't throw my cheat off the... Yeah, I'm very like... Honing, quiet, honing. quiet, composed. Totally I, quiet. I feel how you. Did you. How did you get it? I don't know how you got it. But that's me. Quiet, composed. I'm not trying to be no rowdy. I'm not trying to be no extra. I'm not looking for attention. I don't want to start no shit. Thank you. Excuse me, please. Very, very appreciative. Humble. I get it. I get Thank it. You. Yeah, that's why I guess they love me so much, right? Hey, I don't know. <laughs> I wasn't coming. I wasn't trying anything on anybody's time. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Um, do you remember the first movie to give you nightmares? Yes, but I have another story for you because I know you guys will love it since you mentioned The Bunny. Do you want to hear it? It's up yeah, to you. yeah, no, yeah, please, please, please. I don't want to. No, please. Another story. I love it. So what happened was, when we did that scene, right? We were on the on the on the fake plane. I mean, we were on a real plane, but we were in a lot in a warehouse. We're doing the scene. We do the shot, and John Malkovich says he improvised when he said, "Oh, put the bunny. Oh, my daddy, daddy, daddy." Did. 
And then he says, my daddy wants me to put the bunny, whatever. And then John, I remember um, Nicholas Cage was like, come on, John. Ooh, he got a little bit annoyed with John Malkovich saying something about daddy and the bunny. Who Nick Cage did? Yeah. Oh, all right. He said, come on, John. After they said cut, he said, come on, John. Like, please, John. Like saying like, we don't have to go into incest, okay? Interesting. Then I said the next day, I remember I said to John Malkovich at dinner, I said, John, and I loved your improvisation last night. (laughs) I was all up in there too, talking my opinion to like, no, and John, I want you to know, I loved your improv about the dad. Good for you. And and I loved I loved the little bit that you told me. Uh, and and I think the fans should know uh, you have one interaction with John Cusack in the film, and you guys had a little bit. Can you can you do that one of the little conversation you had? Yeah, I love that. That was one of the days when we were in Vegas during near the end, and it's when we're all getting arrested and whatnot. And then John Ma, uh, John Cusack standing next to me because we're just like waiting for our scene or something or whatever and he says i want to do something with you and he was like you know can i like pull your hair or something like that and i said yeah sure i'm game so like you know during that moment when we're getting arrested if you see in the end of the movie when we're getting arrested he runs up out of nowhere and he basically police brutalities me because there's no reason for him to yank me by the hair except for now you know why he did it that was John Cusack, guys. That was his little improv. So then I go, ow! What am I supposed to say? Thanks? <laughs> Harder, daddy. <laughs> yeah, so like, I'm like, you know, like handcuffed, bent over the hood of the car. He's looking around, and then he looks at me and then yanks my head up. I guess he wants to see who I am. Like, who's this bozo? It's cause, oh, because he's looking, he's looking for, uh, he's, he's counting numbers. Because I want to say, I know exactly where you're at. And that's right when they realize that uh, Cyrus and Diamond Dog aren't on the plane anymore. Yeah, so it's kind of funny. Like, he looks like I'm going to be the one. Very funny. But again, it was just he wanted to add. Now, you know why? Why does he yank his hair like that? Why, what a, is this about? A little, a little interaction. He was like, I want to have a fucking interaction with Sally Dance. He's robbing the show. I want to be in the show. Another, another great actor. I mean, I just, the more and more I think about it, the more, the more I realize the actors that I could talk movies with you all day long. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, that's okay. Uh, I realize, uh, MC, MC Gainley, another, another great, uh, uh, the guy that flies the plane. He's another, uh, really? No, I'm teasing. No, he was great. He was great. I tell you, he was uncle. He was uncle. That's awesome. There are just so many, so many character actors that have been in so many, the more of that. He helped uh, me. He helped me with pot. I was really down one day and I was able to get it from him. Thank you, MC. That's good to know. Um, with that, though, we, w- we will go, uh, uh, unless you happen to have one more story that you think of randomly. But um, that's uh, it. That, that no, I'm, all, I'm all right on that. Uh, First movie to give you nightmares. Do you do you happen to remember what the first movie to give you nightmares was? Nightmare on Elm Street. Okay, the first one, the the first original with Johnny Depp. Was Johnny Depp on Nightmare on Elm Street? Is he's that Freddy? He's the one that gets sucked into bed. Johnny is too fucking fly. Johnny. Yeah, no, um, I guess so. But I'll tell you, I was so young. The only thing I remember, of course, is Freddy. 
And what I remember most was that I, I think I mentioned this last time. Now you see, this is where we get scary now. I'm about to make your hair stand up, Stephen. I remember I had my first out-of-body experience after what reading Catcher in the Rye. And it was the night of reading the last page. And I feel like I fell into my bed like they do in Freddy in Friday the in, in Nightmare on Elm Street. And they like when they fall into like the couch or whatever and disappear into another dimension. And I came out in the hallway. And you what? Hallways. Remember? Yeah. Back in the hall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You see what I mean about hallways? Oh, hallways, dude, hallways have always been a creepy. I used to live in an apartment building and my least favorite part, like I could walk around the parking lot all night long, two in the morning, no problem. But I get into that hallway at, at any time, middle of the afternoon, during the day, creepy, creepy shit, creepy shit. Yeah. I mean, you know, and I don't want to bad mouth hallways. They, they are amazing, but they are definitely places that we, um, can, things can have. Yeah. So I, so that's why Friday the 13th for sure must've had that impact or whatever it was, but I was in the hallway out of nowhere. I had to leap back into, it was like an out of body kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's an answer that's definitely come up on the show before, and I'm sure it'll definitely come up uh, again. Some of the, I, I always like to share just because I think it's, it's interesting. I had a guess that the first movie to give them nightmares was Pinocchio. Monstro, Monstro the whale. Well, I had an, yeah. Yeah. I had another friend, Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Both creepy now. Come on, let's face it. Pinocchio, that's a very phallic symbol. It's got child abuse. Um, well, the, be the best, the best is, is the original story of Pinocchio. Do you know, do you know the, the original tale with Pinocchio and Jiminy Cricket? No, what is it? Pinocchio kills Jiminy Cricket. That's so fucked up. Within, within meeting him, within it's like the first couple minutes of meeting him, Jiminy Cricket goes like, hey, I'm your conscious. And Jiminy, and Pinocchio goes, holy shit, a fucking talking cricket. And stomps him and kills him. Hits him with a hammer. Something like that. Powerful stuff. Well, you know, all that stuff is very deep and very mystical anyway and all of that. But no, all, yeah. I mean, no, but I can see, of course, how Pinocchio could do that to someone. Um, and Because they're, they're those folks, you know, what are they called? Folklore? Is that what it is? It's yeah, I, you, sure. I, I believe you could yeah. say the the stories of old, yeah, uh, the 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 dark fairy tales. Well, I mean, it's it's so so going off on a side tangent real fast. You can take a lot of the Disney classic hits, and if you look at the origins or the original telling of the stories, they're a lot darker. Like yeah. like Cinderella, the mother, the stepmother actually cuts the toes off of the daughters oh, to yeah. get them to get them to fit in the the glass slipper. Yes, and and she dies by by after after Cinderella is married, they make her come to the wedding, and then they put her in hot iron feet, hot iron boots, and make her basically dance until she dies. That's a fucking crazy. And you know what also is um interesting was the uh, with Snow White the the pig's heart and and wanting her dead and all that. Yeah. All of the original Little Mermaid, Ursula cuts Ariel's tongue out. That's why she can't talk. She cuts her tongue out. Ouch. You, you can look at a lot of the original classic Disney tales and the actual origin stories. Uh, Peter Pan. Another... another
Was that good? That was good. It was it was a good pitch. Now we're getting a little high there, but I love it. Little little high there, but that's I like it. Uh, but yeah, you can look at any of them, and they're they're pretty they're pretty dark uh, dark 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 films. Uh, speaking of that, though, what is a movie that you feel that you can watch once and you never have to watch it again? That one I mentioned last time, Michael Jackson leaving leaving Neverland, never leaving Neverland, whatever that one is. One time, one and done. That's it. Again, I saw it because I wanted to know the truth. But it was very hard to take, like Jack Nicholson, You Can't Handle the Truth, in A Few Good Men. That's one of those moments where you're like watching it, cringing. You don't want to look away because you want to hear what happened. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and uh, I haven't seen that one, but it's definitely like it's on a list. It's on a list of, of it's lower on that list. But it's on the list of like movies to check out. Uh, one that I want to check out because it's it's a documentary. I would consider that a documentary. Uh, a documentary that's out right now that's on HBO that I want to check out is Class Action Lawsuit, I believe it's called, or Class Action Park. It's about the park that was out in New Jersey, New York, round about your area, Class Class or, or Action Park, Action, action Point. Action Park, uh-huh, yeah, and how many people there, are dying like flies over there. There's a full documentary out on HBO right now about the film, or not the film, about the park, and it's called like Clash Class Action Park. And it's all about, it's, it's a full documentary about, it's not the Johnny Knoxville movie. It's an actual documentary about the, the goings on at that park and, and what, about all of it. Pulling the truth out. Yeah. Um, well, I think. Have, been, have you ever been, have you ever been to Action Park? I'm pretty sure I went like once or twice in my life as a kid. And I was scared. I got to say, I was scared. Uh, with that, we do, we do come to uh, the final question of the show. Uh, and that's a, a movie recommendation, a, a movie that you love, that you think the listeners should go and check out. Without a doubt, come to daddy. Come to daddy. That is the recommendation of the year. Excellent. And what is that about? It's directed by Ant Thompson or Timpson Ant. And it's written by um, Toby Harvard. It stars Elijah Wood. And it's about this guy that gets this like letter, a random, like, you know, he grew up without his without his father. And, you know, he gets this letter telling him to like, come up and see me. Let's connect. You know, and he's like, all right, kind of whatever. And, the, you know, he shows up in this forest with this house that, I mean, I'm getting, I'm being broad because you got to see this thing. And, and, you know, the sound, the cinematography, the tension, the acting, the, 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 the twists and turns are going to have you by the throat. Okay, that's all I got to say. I loved it. Okay. And it's called Come to Daddy. Come to Daddy. Oh, my gosh. Ah. Again, I was like, look, I just saw the amazing reviews. I was like, let me see. Put it on my list. I was like, well, I don't know me and him about the title. Fine. What is this? Blown away. Blown away. 
Excellent, excellent. Uh, with that, uh, we do come to the the end of the show. Um, where can people find you? Uh, what do you have going on? Uh, where what? I, I know you have a, a website to plug. I, I know you just put out uh, a single, right, uh, with a collaboration. What 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 do you what do you got going on? Well, thank you so much. Well, first of all, um, I have my fashion line that I've come out with that I'm super excited about. I've been wanting to um, do this for a while. I'm just starting out with T-shirts and sneakers and different kinds of uh, jackets and things. And that's on T-Chip, and it's called Renally NYC. So if you go on tchip.com, and so it's T dot -E -E com, and you look up Renally NYC or Renally Santiago, you will find my t-shirt line. And this is, I'm wearing one of the shirts now that you can't see, but it's called Fashion Hurts. And my stuff is really like bohemian glamour, Hollywood meets New York. It's stuff that you can wear on the street, but it's also stuff that you can even dress up and like look really stylish. And, um, I just always love clothes and fashion. So that's that. And then I've also finally come out with a merchandise site called phantomfreak.com for all of my movie fans. I cover, I have a lot of stuff from hackers and phantom freak stuff that people can order and autographs and pictures. And also from my other films, you can go on there and um, get merchandise and stuff. So I've also, and then, yeah, and also my Instagram, guys, follow me at Renally Santiago. Also on Twitter, I'm the real Renally. And um, my music, I'm really excited about. I've been collaborating just with DJs right now and um, in dance music, electronic music, which, you know, I find myself um, really happy doing that kind of stuff. And I've always loved dance music. Um, so I did some stuff mainly for the producers that I'm featured on um, that people can look up, just Renally Santiago, um, new music. But I've also released some of my own songs that are a little bit more in the pop vein. I have a song called Chance of a Lifetime that people can look up and also find. I also have another one called The Ides of March. And I have a couple of other releases coming out, some songs I've recorded that I'm really excited about. One is in Spanish. And I have another one in English, so people can look forward to that. Oh, and I have a film that I am going to be starting in. Um, I did get a film offer to do another film um, where I'll be playing the lead um, antagonist. And um, it's called Dichotomy. And I'm going to be filming when we start again and everything starts loosening up in the Dominican Republic. Ooh, there you go. A little traveling in your future. That's awesome. And everything you mentioned uh, will definitely be uh, in the uh, <clears throat> in the the whatchamacallit for the show, the description. It's 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 in the, the description of the show will be links to everything that you mentioned um, as we come to an end. Uh, even before quarantine, uh, I tried to keep a PMA, a positive mental attitude. Uh, do you have a message of positivity, a personal mantra that you'd like to leave the fans with before we go? I would just like to say um, my favorite quote, quote is by Jesus Christ, and it's love one another. So let's just keep on loving one another, and we'll all be fine. Excellent. Renally, thank you so much for coming on today. 
Ladies and gentlemen, that has been another episode of The Last Podcast You'd Want. And until next week, tip the veal, try the staff. I'll see you then. Bye-bye. Thanks for coming to see our show. Sad to tell you we got to go. Grab your hat and head for the door. In case you didn't notice very anymore. If you like our show, tell everyone but. If you think it's great, keep your big mouth shut. It's over.